Hello everybody and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host Stephen Platt, thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week it is an in-memoriam episode because we are marking the life of the legendary Canadian actor Christopher Plummer who has passed away at the age of 91. Uh, Chris, or Christopher as he's pretty much exclusively known online, I don't know anyone that's referred to him as Chris Plummer, um, but segue aside... Christopher has quite a lot of films to pick from, uh, quite a lot of big legendary films. We're not going with one of them. Uh, we've decided to have a look at the film for which he earned his Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. It is a little film from 2010 called Beginners. So joining me as always, we have someone who has seen the film and someone who has not. And our guest who has not seen the film, it is Dr. Carmen Dolly. Hello, Stephen. How are you? I am good, Dr. Carmen. How, how, how's life in, uh, yeah, in early 2021? Good. Oh, you know, COVID lockdowns, being a GP during that time, it's always interesting. But no, really can't complain. It's all good. Excellent. Uh, beginners. Yes. Uh, what do you know about this film? Well, I did look up the blurb uh, to make sure I had not, in fact, watched it. Uh, mm-hmm. So I know a little bit about what it's about. I think Christopher Plummer plays a guy who has a terminal illness and has a gay younger lover. And it's told from his son's point of view. And that's kind of all I know about it. Okay. Uh, that's kind of all I know about it as yeah. well. I haven't actually <laughs> seen it. And similarly, did a bit of a blurb hunt when we decided to go for this one. Um I suppose from your perspective uh, with with Christopher Plummer, um, obviously it's you know sad that he's passed on. Is there a particular role of his that stands out that isn't The Sound of Music or is it just The Sound of Music? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I'm just a lover of mystery science theatre, so you got to love Star Crash. True. Um, <laughs> I like Up as well, but I always forget that he's in that. Um, but that is a very good film as well. So, mm. you know, there's a lot to choose from. The, the narration in Madeline, uh, that's always fun. Mm. Um, yeah, no, he did He did quite a broad range. And I, I think he had a very uh, good sense of humour as, mm. as, a, as a bloke as well. He seemed like a fun kind of bloke. So... Um, yeah, it is sad that he's passed on, but it, I, I think 91 is a, is a pretty good inning, so we were lucky mm. to have him for as long as we did, yeah. Indeed, and particularly when you consider that he he got three Oscar nominations after the age of 80, I think it was some, right? something ridiculous like that. Wow. Like he, 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 Not that he saved the very best to the very end, but mm. it seemed like he had a really good like last decade. Very broad, mm. broadly spanning career. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, joining us as our guest who has seen this film, uh, it is Mr. Robert Woods. Hello. Now, Robert, for the folks at home, um, they'll have just heard you on the Dracula episode. Oh. But to uh, do a little bit of behind baseball here, um, it's been about a month since we recorded that episode. <laughs> yes. Um, so uh, we we now speak to you, Robert Woods, as an award-winning director. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yes. Uh, congratulations. Thank you. Um, if, if you would like to uh, gush a little bit about that, um, here, here's the platform. Oh, um, uh, thanks, Stephen. Yeah, uh, I, I won some awards for mm-hmm. directing An Ideal Host. Please listen to the uh, the podcast on it. In the this the two show. podcasts. Two podcasts, yeah, yeah. Excellent, yes. No, but specifically, uh, Robert was... Uh, was um, I was about to say fortunate enough, but also I'm going to say very deserving to win uh, Best Director for An Ideal Host um, at a film festival that was overseas. Yes, actually, the, the film festival hasn't been yet. It's in March. I don't mm. know when this episode's coming out, but um, but they've announced awards early so that people hopefully buy tickets mm. and see it. Yeah. 
Excellent. Well, congratulations from Thank us you. here. And uh, to celebrate, you get to watch Beginners. Oh, uh, so what, what can you tell us about this film in a sort of vague, non-spoilery sort of way? So this, this came out in, I believe, in 2011 in cinemas here because it was a 2010 Sundance movie. Mm-hmm. And I saw it. I distinctly remember going into Cinema 3 at the now extinct Cinema Paradiso in Northbridge mm. in the middle of the day uh, to watch this film before just before the Oscars happened because um, I knew it was one of the big awardsy not big awardsy films it was one of the awardsy films that was the, the the small independent one that just had a couple of nominations here and there and um, I remember all of that distinctly mm-hmm and as for the film itself, <laughs> I remember Christopher Plummer on doing some deathbed acting mm-hmm. and Ewan McGregor tearing up a bit. That's literally all I remember about it. I think I remember more about Thumbsucker mm-hmm. and 20th Century Woman, uh, the other two Mike Mills films. I think I remember more about them than I do about this film. It didn't stay much with me, so... Mm-hmm. Um, And I even found my old review of it back from 2011 where I was very dismissive of it. So I I am intrigued, actually, to watch it again. (laughs) After 10 years. (laughs) After 10 years and and reevaluate. See see if I I am still as dismissive of it as I was. (laughs) Okay. And uh, before we commence, obviously, uh, a little bit on uh, Christopher Plummer as well. Um, Are there any non-Sound of Music roles that stand out for you from his career? Yeah, well, I, I was thinking the, the role that I keep remembering him as is playing uh, Tolstoy in The Last Station. Um, and I don't know why I remember that, but maybe that, that was another kind of... I don't think he was on his deathbed, but I remember him wearing white a lot and lazing about in the, the Russian sunset. Mm. Uh, uh, out, yeah, and, and all the money in the world where he... he jumped in last minute and just delivers the, the knockout performance. He's so intimidating in that film and he's only in it for, he, he's only in it briefly. The screen time is quite small, but it makes such an impact that hangs over the rest of the film. Uh, it, yeah. I, I really loved, <laughs> I really loved him in that film and thank God he, he jumped in and, and uh, helped Ridley Scott out and saved it. That, that actually reminds me um, of another honourable mention for Christopher Plummer that we should do is um, uh, Dr. Doolittle, the musical uh, from 1969, oh, wow. um, when Rex Harrison was being a total diva um, and they weren't sure if they were going to get him on board, so they hired Christopher Plummer as a backup. Finally, Rex Harrison got on board, but they still had signed this contract with Christopher Plummer, so he got paid to do absolutely nothing while they uh, filmed yeah. the film with Rex Harrison. <laughs> and... Yeah, looking back on that film, uh, Christopher Plummer dodged a bullet, I will say. <laughs> and got paid to do so. And got is... paid to do so. <laughs> yes, so that's well what, done. That's what you want. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Shall we jump into Beginners and uh, what, what should we do, Christopher Plummer? Yeah. Yes, let's. Okay, for those of you who are listening at home, uh, pop in those DVDs, load up those streaming services, and prepare to polish those Academy Awards the Best Supporting Actor as we watch Beginners.
This is the sun. This is what the president looked like in 2003. And this is our review of Beginners. Welcome back, everybody, to the Cinema Catch-Up Club uh, with your host, Stephen Platt. I'm joined once again by Mr. Robert Woods. Hello. And Dr. Carmen Dolly. Hello. Dr. Carmen, that was your first time watching Beginners. Yes. Um, obviously, we're going to talk about Christopher Plummer in a, in a bit of depth a bit later on. But firstly, just the film in general. What, what did you think of the film? I wish we watched Star Crash. Oh, really? I hated that. What? Okay. I absolutely hated that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought I I lost my dad to cancer two years ago, almost to this day. And I thought this was going to be something that was, I was afraid it was going to be quite confronting or quite moving. And I'm just filled with rage that I sat through this and mm. I hated it. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. Um. So it's so not good. Is, is what we're going No, with. no, okay. that's what we're just, going Just to put in a little bow on that to begin with. Uh, what about yourself, Robert? I did find my old review and reading it back now, I think, God, I went so easy on this film. Yeah. <laughs> I, so, I so did not like it. You didn't necessarily love on, it either. I didn't I didn't like it on... The, on I, I thought it was like, eh, it's fine 10 years ago. That was mm-hmm. basically my review. Um, I, I think I said, basically, just watch the trailer. That's the whole film. Mm. That's mm. all you need to know. And watching it now, yeah, I, God, it's it's really a, just hipster nonsense. It's so frustrating. It's so pretentious. It's just, ugh. I, yeah, look, I, I have to agree. I, I don't, I didn't think I massively disliked this film. And particularly during the first half of the film, I have to admit, I was, I wasn't going, oh my God, this is amazing. Why has no one been watching Beginners? Like at mm. no point did I go, oh, this is a fantastic film and why has nobody watched it? But the first half of the film I thought was was okay but then there was no change mm. I think was the big problem it sort of stayed in one oh, very man. long note and that note became stagnant for staying there yes the, 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 when you watch a film the, the two most important questions I was always taught to ask myself is um, who are these people and why should I care mm. Mm. and I can see who these people are and the why should I care never factored into it mm-hmm. and and it never came up Yeah, <laughs> throughout the film. Yeah. I was like, uh, I, I give think, us something. I, I think that there is, there's half a good film in here and that half is the half of Christopher Plummer. Um, yeah. I, I think that that character, the, the character of Hal Fields and this, this person who discovers very late in life, uh, well, doesn't discover... Uh, is allowed to live very late in life uh, who they felt they truly were. Uh, So this is someone who's known that they were gay for a very long time, but was in a society where that was obviously not feasible or very much frowned upon, to to put it as as lightly as it can be put. Um, And then lived in a a relationship with um, his wife, uh, was married for 44 years, and then got this little four-year run at the end where he got to live how he actually wanted to live and that character is a really interesting person but we're not following that person unfortunately okay. we're following his son who i think there's an interesting story in there i just don't know that this film tells it that well i thought from a technical point of view this was fine like it had Mm. very good acting everyone gives really great performances Mm. yeah it's very well shot i like the lighting 
Um, you know, there were some very nice um, camera moments in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I agree, it's not a greatly written film. I found it, as I said, very pretentious. It was also quite misogynistic and mm-hmm. it was homophobic as well to boot. So mm. not not great. I think the, the, these, this, the romance that's at the centre of this film, these, these two characters... Um, there, there's a point in the film where they, they break up, and and when you're thinking about it, like a, the kind of story arc for a film, where you, like the down point is like, uh, where the character is at his lowest, and he breaks up. In this film, he breaks up with this girl, and he's feeling depressed, and he's saying, "I, I, I don't think I should be feeling this way." And she says she's going to leave and fly to New York. Uh, the, it felt like it happened just because in the structure of the movie, that's what yeah. had to happen at that point. Mm. But there was... There was no when, reason whenever, why. We're never given any reason why. We're mm. not... We're, we're not given like, any reason for why they get back together. And, yeah. Like, and then they yeah. just... Like, things just kind of happened and... Like they might pay lip service to it, but there's there's no actual emotional connection to yeah. what's going on. There's mm-hmm. no there's no scenes of uh, them giving us enough information and giving us that emotion and letting us see this relationship be realistic and and be lived in. Yeah, mm. it's just kind of because the way that the film is is cut jumping forward and backward through time through different timelines uh we just kind of get little we kind of just drop in in places and we're not really given the full context of everything and so Mm. it's just very 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 surface level and you you never Mm. you just Mm. never connect you just never connect with these characters yeah Yeah. very much so and i think it's interesting because this is very much a story about um an inability to connect which which oliver clearly has um and it's also it's also it purports to be a film that's about sadness and i think it's really interesting that the, the where where the breakup happened i had the same thought of going oh this is meant to be the low point of the film but he is just as sad as he has been basically throughout this entire film now mm. obviously the entirety of the film we see oliver with the exception of when he's a child he is either with his father who is dying or is in the couple of months after his father has died. So, you know, he's not going to be a cheery, happy, go-lucky kind of character at all. But it it almost felt as though he just consistently sort of hovered in that same level of sadness throughout. Mm. And we never... I guess possibly because we never really did get to know him that much. Because it almost felt as though Oliver himself was sort of tucking himself away from everyone in this film and even the audience. And he talks to the audience a lot, Mm. but he talks to the audience. I think it maybe doesn't help the fact that he essentially talks to the audience like a sort of a C-grade Michael Moore documentary where he's just (laughs) kind of like, this is the sun. This is what the NRA were doing at this time. You know, that that kind of thing. (laughs) It's, it's, I, I think the way that they've chosen to present this doesn't work and particularly i think it suffers from the fact that we're watching this 10 years after it came out and it feels very 
of its time. Oh, yeah. It, it feels very the, cliched. Like, I feel yeah. like I've watched this very same trope. LA, quirky, indie. Yeah. yeah. Indie film. Yeah. Zooey Deschanel is not in this film, and I'm shocked. Like, yeah. it's, it's that yeah. kind of thing. Um, it's, yeah. The and, epitome and, of a manic pixie dream girl. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> yeah, so... so and, and a uh, manic, yeah. manic pixie dream mum as well. Yeah. Mm. That... Like, that whole that whole scenario with the 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 child version of of the Ewan McGregor character and um just seeing the mum who was also again another fascinating character hmm. that I would love to have spent more time with yeah um and yeah. but but to what end yeah it, I mean, she's it basically so quirky just... she interacts with artwork. Oh, man. she leans yeah, her it, shoulder like, on the museum tour guide all it is is like a reference point for. For some of the the anxiety of this main character mm-hmm. and like his his issues that that have stayed with him, but so I don't know why like why we keep flashing back and mm. why is it so mm. important to yeah. to see to so see many scenes. And I think the part of the problem is is this. I don't, I, I, would, my feeling is, and I don't know if you agree, this feels like quite a personal film. And I don't know that it works because it's, it's it almost feels too personal, if, well, if you get what I mean. Well, I think the trouble is as well, it, it's very personal, but it's also layered and cut and written in such a way that it's just so cliched, mm. as you say. It's just so it's indie film. It's just very cookie yeah. cutter. Um, and that that is really jarring as yeah. well. I and- feel like this would have been much more moving had you had like a... Um, drama comedy where it had been like mainly focused on the relationship with his father and sort of that mm. set that up in a comedic way and we're yeah. seeing it's sort of more linear yeah. as his father approaches death and part part of the the issue i think with that is the fact that this is semi autobiographical mm. um, because mike mills the director this is a true to life experience he had in his family when his Mum died, his dad came out as gay mm. and lived for five years and then died as a gay man. And so it's it's obviously, you know, very personal to this this filmmaker, this director, but I feel as though that he's he's too close to the fire, if you get what I mean. Like, yeah. it, it feels like had he found somebody that he sort of trusted as a filmmaker and said, you make this film, I think maybe it would have come out better. I mean, that said... You know, you, you want to make autobiographical films, then absolutely you should have that right. And obviously, Mike Mills felt strongly enough about this story and his father's story and his family's story that he wanted to make it. Mm. But it feels like this film was made. This film is Mike Mills's catharsis. This is him yeah. screaming in a room for two hours, basically. <laughs> yeah, but um, it's not interesting to watch. Yeah. No, I, I, and, and it is a real shame because I think there's a lot of things about this film that are quite likable. But just the 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 whole thing when it comes together just falls apart. Mm. Um, the the acting is is great. Um, um, Ewan McGregor, I think, does a lot with not a lot. Oh yeah, yeah. Ewan McGregor is wonderful in this, and I yeah, don't I don't think it. there really is a weak performance in this. Mm. Um, um, yeah, the dog is great, and like yes. we've we've got we're very 
we've got a very high bar for for dog actors on this podcast, but that that little Arthur dog. I mean, yeah. I I mm. I did watch the dog and go. Oh, he's looking at the trainer. No, now he's looking back. He's he's not. He's no. He's been told to stay. Mm. <laughs> he but, wants to go play with the other dogs. Yeah, but no, he, no, he has no. To the stay. trainer yeah. has told him to stay. Yeah, <laughs> and he he is staying. He was a good boy. Yeah, um, <laughs> said it for at least the length of that take. So. Yes, <laughs> which is which is all they need. Professional, um, Christopher Plummer. Obviously, this it, it's his fault that we watch this i guess is kind of <laughs> how, how we put it this way um but but i do have to say that he's he's very good in this it's a very naturalistic performance it's it's very um it's very open i think it's and it's probably the most empathetic character in the film um and now that you say that it's autobiographical that makes a lot of sense to me because mm. it's um, like this is a film about how great my dad was let's get christopher palmer to play the greatest <laughs> dad in the world who's also actually not that great a dad but it's okay because he's living his best life now yeah it's it's a very yeah it is quite a rose rose tinted look mm. at, at this strange relationship that they have um but I think, yeah, he, he was too close to himself and maybe too close still to his father's death mm. at the time he made this. I wonder if he made this after having seen, like, 20th Century Woman, his next film, uh, which has three great female characters in it and three great performances and really was a, was a really engaging film with interesting characters. Mm. Oh. I, I, I wonder if... Um, Maybe he got some feedback. Uh, yeah, about I, I wonder this. if maybe because yeah. it, because it was like ten years between that film mm. and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, just over six years between uh, the release. Oh, of yeah. beginners and the release of Twentieth Century Women. Um, I think it also helps that this this film being so personal to to Mike Mills that whatever you do next you are probably going to be able to view much more objectively than mm. the super important story that was about your father and your family and your everything. Yeah. 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 Um, so Christopher Plummer won the, the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor um, in this year, Robert. And I have a list of the other nominees. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I'm just curious, um, wait, not not saying that, you know, you're going to give out the, the robs or something, like, you know, you've got your own personal award. But, oh, yeah. but these were the other actors that he was up against. Um, he was up against Kenneth Branagh for My Week with Marilyn, where he played uh, Laurence Olivier. Yeah. Uh, Jonah Hill from Moneyball. <laughs> yeah. Um, Nick Nolte from Warrior. Uh-huh. And uh, Max von Sydow from Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. Mm-hmm. Do you, in your own personal opinion, do you think that Christopher Plummer was was the best choice? Um. Yeah, hmm. I do. I think. Yeah, I think Jonah Hill would have had a good a good shot. Mm-hmm. Um, because. That was an amazing performance in Moneyball, mm. but yeah, that would be the the, the runner up. But mm. definitely, I think, I think just because he's the only engaging person in this film, so all the <laughs> the people that have to watch it go, well, well, we liked Christopher Palmer. Mm. <laughs> yeah, he was. Good. So it's yeah. like he's he's clearly a standout in yeah. this film. It's so easy to pinpoint him mm. and go, well, 
yeah. well, that was good. Yeah. So yeah, that's true. Well, yeah. I think it was also it's also a great role, realistically. Like you've got. Mm. You know, just looking at it from a purely acting kind of standpoint, you've got someone from an older generation who's suddenly come out as gay, mm-hmm. plus they're dying, and that's that's a really juicy thing that's, to be playing. That's all the, all you want for Oscar noms: oh, yeah. dying, yeah. identity crisis, <laughs> exactly. You know, boom, boom, boom. He's mm. he, yeah. This was a like shooting fish in a barrel almost. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Okay, so there was a lot of hipstery nonsense in this film, and I think we've talked very politely about this film but i'm getting the sense we kind of want to trash aspects too (laughs) so let's let's have our own moment of catharsis now what drove you the most up the wall in beginners you know so (laughs) there there is a lot of 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 uh like subtitling the dog's thoughts and um uh cutting sort of uh what's it called um, lots of stills from from encyclopedias mm. talking about the context of different years and things. Oh yeah, um, and quick flash cuts of that. I feel like that should be called scrapbooking. I don't know if that's what it's called, <laughs> but I'll call it scrapbooking. Um, but I think honestly, none of that bothered me as much as the main relationship in the film. <laughs> like I, I, I can. I can take or leave the the kind of quirky editing. Mm, mm. Um, I could go either way with it. If it was an effective story, I would have loved it. And it wasn't an effective story. And it's very easy to just look at that and go, that's the reason why. But I think it's... it's <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think we can just say that was what was... <laughs> no, no. There, I mean, there were two bits for me. Yeah. Um, so the first bit was when he delivered the exact same dialogue to his girlfriend as he did to his dog at the beginning of the film. Yep. That was that was a real low light. And then also the gay guy saying that straight men are afraid of gay guys because they haven't had sex with them and it's a threat. Mm. Yeah, that... Um, <laughs> not cool. Mm. Not cool. No. I feel like... I don't want to defend the film now, but <laughs> may as well. Um, the I, that that first that first complaint. Um, how did you feel about it when she did the same thing to him at the end of the film? See, I thought about that, and I'm like, okay, yes, I guess it's being quirky and like, like they're introducing each other threes. and other. No, it, it's, still, it doesn't erase it. Yeah. Especially when it. you have your female protagonist not saying a single word throughout her first scene. Mm. It, 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 it's a cumulative effect and it doesn't, it doesn't erase the fact that it's just, it just comes across as so misogynistic when you look at the overall representation of this female mm. protagonist. Mm. She, is, oh, she is such an unbelievably passive character. She's not given agency. Yeah. She's not allowed. She's given like one little bit of dramatic backstory. And it's like, oh, she's a, a broken girl that we want to yeah. cuddle. Uh, and, and that's that's all she is. Well, and that's the thing. Like, you've got so few female characters in this film. You've got the manic pixie dream girl. You've got the manic pixie, pixie dream, dream mum. <laughs> and then you've got a receptionist <laughs> and an assistant and another assistant who yes, I think have about yeah. one word of lines between Rude them. Rude lady at the roller skating rink. Rude lady arena. at the roller skating rink. Come yeah. on. Yeah. 
yeah, no, I'm, I'm, this, this, I, I can't argue with that. This, this <laughs> well, is... I think it, maybe it is telling that his next film was 20th Century Woman and it's just Yeah, I think like, I might have to watch that. I'm, that. I'm sorry, Mike Mills, I'm sorry. I'll watch some other work of yours and I'm yeah. sure it's great. His, and his first film, Thumbsucker, has Tilda Swinton as the mum and Ooh, okay. she is great. All right. <laughs> it, it's, yeah, I just, yeah, it's something about this film... Mm. Maybe just because maybe it's, it's so sophomore personal, effort. like you're not the sophomore slump. The yeah, the the. Or maybe it's focused so much on telling his side of the story that he didn't stop and think. Hang on, maybe the way I'm looking at yeah. outside and, characters is not. And also, I don't know if Mike Mills met a manic Trixie. Trixie, I can't even say it. <laughs> manic pixie dream girl dressed as Sigmund Freud uh, while she had laryngitis at a at a party. Like I don't know if that <laughs> was part of his lived experience. Um, but it, it, to me, it did feel as though that bit was kind of wedged in because he Otherwise, had half a film. Yeah, there was no, yeah. there was yeah. no, nothing there. And, and like, I, I sort of get the idea of going, hey, Oliver is kind of afraid of relationships because the relationship of his parents was kind of a sham. And, mm. you know, his, his father wasn't around when he was younger. He's only really connected with him more since his mother died. And his mother was a bit... Um, do Lali in, 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 in sort of like was very frank about the fact that their relationship wasn't great but also obviously didn't say exactly why her relationship with his father wasn't great but also it makes sense that Oliver doesn't have a particularly um, great sort of relationship based life um, but I don't think that anything that happened in this film helped him fix that and that's that's the frustration is I feel like everything that was there to be learnt from his father didn't really get implemented properly mm. would, would be my, my it's, yeah it has a very frustrating ending mm. line ending scene where it feels like it's 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 like a gonna be a, a quirky open-ended thing it felt like the end and... of the film and that was really annoying because I was like <laughs> you, you are literally just doing this you're gonna say what happens now and then they sit down they go what happens now and and then Cut to black. Like, it's... Yeah, it was yeah. like... Moments like that were, were what I found really frustrating. Yeah. A lot of the exposition in the dialogue. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the re-explaining of... Uh, this was my dad's whole deal. Yeah. And we're like, we've seen that in the first 20 minutes yeah. of the film. Like, or, like, it, or like when he drops a dog off to the, the dad's partner and the partner's like, oh, look, he remembers me. And rah, rah, yeah. It's like, you couldn't but, have like mm. said that to the dog or something, like a little bit more nuanced and subtle I mean, about... I mean, that yeah. I didn't mind as much. But mm. yeah, I, yeah, 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 that one was certainly kind of like, yeah, okay. Yeah. But yeah. I swear to God, in my memory, he gave the dog to the gay dude. Oh, to Andy. Yeah. yeah. In my memory, I was like, oh, this is the bit where he gives the dog away. No. Nope. And and uh, and, the, and it didn't happen. I was like, okay, I remembered it wrong, but you I kind of wish yeah. that it, that happened because yeah. nope. it would have been some kind of growth. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> not only have I got my Manic Pixie Dream Girl, I've also got the dog. Yeah. And you get to be alone. Goodbye. Yeah. Like that it- kind of thing. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that, was, that wasn't particularly great. That's unfortunate. Yes. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything. I mean... It's... I did not like the music. No. That was irritating. The, the sound old, itself was fine. Like um, the dialogue was well recorded and we could hear everything, which is more than I can say for some films. But mm. um, yeah, I, I didn't really like the music. And it, it just felt quite repetitive with yeah. the, the yeah. same sort of piano-y. Plonky plonks. Yeah, plonky, plonky plonks. plonks. Yeah. yeah. Just, just, plonky plonks are fine, but you got to occasionally have a 
a tinky tankle, you plonky plonk. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just plonky plonk for an hour and a half. Um, I will also say the thing that I kind of... The, the first sign for me that this was potentially going to be a slightly frustrating hipstery type film um, was Oliver has terrible work colleagues. They are not friends. They, they were not good or supportive of someone mm. whose father had just died and they were like oh here's oliver who's sad we're gonna force him to go to this party and oh we oh he's getting two drinks let's judge him while he does everything (laughs) like i was just like oliver honestly get new friends first don't worry about the relationship everyone in this film i just watched and went oh you're the worst yeah oh i just hey yeah you're the kind of worst people i i hate you so much like it's oh you're 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 quirky you're driving on the footpath that's so quirky this and is funny just like and such white privilege yeah. nonsense film. a little a little bit of me did think i was getting old because i was like but that's against the law you shouldn't drive on the footpath like that what if somebody was coming around the corner what are you doing stealing roller skates and then skating through the mall yeah, in a fun hygiene committing vandalism yeah. and it's quirky and fun yeah what is this yeah I'm glad it's not just me. <laughs> yeah. No, maybe we're just not fun people. Maybe that's the problem. I think we're very fun people. Mm. You have a very fun podcast. We're in a very fun cinema room with very fun films. Mm. and There's a fun bowl of candy right yeah. in front of us. Yeah. You know what? You're right. Yeah. yeah maybe we we're just fun. we're just a different flavor of fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, maybe, that... maybe living in LA just does that to people. Possibly. Yeah, true. It, it's entirely possible. I really got the feeling to kind of sum up before we get into the trivia i feel like i just watched somebody's favorite film but i don't know who that person is like i've mm. I really got the sense that this oh, fit, this could be someone's favorite film i think well yeah. every film can be someone's favorite film yeah, but like but, legitimately but, not, not in like an ironic yeah. star crash kind of way yeah. but but i i do think this is this is one of those films that technically was nominated for an oscar but it's one of the ones that time will forget. Mm. Do you remember yeah. when, when, I mean, I guess the artist winning best picture mm. was, and now everyone thinks like, what, what was, was everyone drinking that year? Or, <laughs> you know, green like, book. Um, crash. Mm. There's, there's, there's a bunch of them. Um, and a bunch of these weird little indie films that, that get nominations or mm. they get the, the Weinsteins pushed through. And you're like, what? How did that get a nomination? Mm, mm. Because they're they're not classics anymore. No yeah. one talks about them, whereas other films from that year Ah. So mm. yeah, this is this is definitely even even in like Christopher Plummer canon, it's not one I I even thought of. Mm. And like yet- Dr. Doolittle getting nominated yeah. for Best Picture to take it full circle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, basically, yeah. And yet and yet this is what he won the Academy Award yeah. for. And, and look, I, I think his performance is great. I think everyone's performance in this is great. And I think absolutely he deserved an Oscar for this. It's mm. just overall, this is not but a great before, film. before, he played Tolstoy. And it was great. <laughs> and then he goes on and his replacement, Kevin Spacey, and was great. In, yes. um, yeah. yeah. And like, and he didn't win for that one. No, he? he was nominated. But he was nominated. And yeah, I remember thinking, God, that was such a, like, that's, that's a great performance. That's, mm. That's worthy of a nomination. Mm. I can yeah. I can see that performance getting nominated because I remember sitting in the cinema just cowering before his towering presence mm. in that film. Um, yeah, it's yeah. Look, it's you, odd. you can't choose 
the films that you get awards for. I think that's yeah. maybe <laughs> what, what we all have to take away from this. Uh, would you guys like some trivia about beginners? Lay sure. it on me. Okay, this trivia is all sourced from IMDb, so if it's not true, don't blame me. Um, Ewan McGregor was not a dog owner before this film was made. But during the course of the shoot, he decided that he absolutely had to get a dog and is apparently now the proud owner of a poodle named Sid. Okay. Nice. So, good for Ewan McGregor and Sid. Yeah. Maybe beginners did something good. Yes. It made Ewan McGregor love dogs. But I do wonder if he assumed all dogs were as well trained as movie acting dogs. <laughs> <laughs> or was he like, oh, this dog doesn't come with subtitles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, at 82 years of age, Christopher Plummer won an Academy Award for this film, making him the oldest person to ever win an Oscar for acting. Ah, um, interesting. Yeah. So, wow. Mm. And I believe... At that time? At that time. I don't know if anyone's beaten him since. Um, and I believe that for um, All the Money in the World, his nomination for that made him the oldest person to be nominated for an acting Oscar um, at 88, I believe he would have been for that. Mm. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. That's very good. Like I said, he had a really strong, like, last yeah. couple of decades. Yeah. Which, you know, when you consider that... When you consider you've got the sound of music in your in your back catalogue, um, <laughs> to be able to then go, yeah, but, you know, what have you done for me lately? All of this. <laughs> like, like, he finished really strongly, which is fantastic. Um, Mike Mills did not originally intend for the character of Anna to be French, but after asking uh, Melanie Laurent, who played her, if she could completely lose her accent... And she could not. Uh, he changed the character for her to be French. That's a smart move. Yeah. Yeah. And like her, her Frenchness, I guess it didn't feel like it was an important part of the story um, because it wasn't originally, I guess. But um, I, I, I suppose it added like an interesting kind of dynamic, but that also kind of played into the manic pixie dream girl thing. Of like she's the other, yeah. and she's literally from another place. Yeah, where they have baguettes and they speak in funny words that we don't. <laughs> you know that you know. Oh, she wrote au revoir. Oh, oh no, that's actually how they say goodbye, <laughs> like that kind of thing. Yeah, the Jack Russell that played Arthur, uh, his name was Cosmo, which is a great name for a dog. Um, Mike Mills cast Cosmo because he felt that the dog had a million year old soul and had the ability to look at you directly in the eyes that's why he cast him because they obviously auditioned quite a lot of jack russell's but apparently uh this dog could could do a good eye stare that's beautiful mm. Mm. if only he could just hold it just a couple of frames <laughs> longer and not look to the trainer and then back to you and mcgregor <laughs> if only if only uh, the laryngitis idea used at the costume party is based on a true story that happened to lou taylor pucci who is the star of Mike Mills' previous film, Thumbsucker, and a brief appearance in this as a magician. He was, he was at the party. Mm. And I noted that in my first review as well. Yeah. I uh, was like, ah, it's Lou Taylor Poochie. Poochie had, which is also a great name for a dog, uh, Poochie had lost his voice <laughs> at an audition for Across the Universe and had then gone to a party where he conversed with a girl that he met via notepad. And so then obviously he said this to Mike Mills and Mike went, aha, I know what'll spice up this film. I need, I need lots of stuff for this half, for the non-Christopher Plummer half. Quick, give me everything. Give me yeah. all the silent women. Yeah. So, <laughs> mm. uh, the role of Hal was also originally intended for another actor we've discussed already today. Uh, Max von Sydow was who they had in mind <laughs> to play um, Hal Fields. My husband always gets Max von Sydow and Christopher Plummer confused, so that mm. is really funny. I always to me. get Peter O'Toole 
and Christopher Plummer confused. Oh, yeah. And I was thinking the other day, Christopher Plummer. Oh yeah, he was in Phantoms. I'm like, no, that was, that <laughs> was yeah. The so, other one that was Lawrence of Arabia. I'm slightly disappointed that it wasn't Max von Sydow who was struggling with the hotel door when oh, he did the walk yeah. and thought he saw his dad. <laughs> Because that would have been a fun way of doing it. Uh, but anyway, um, Max von Sydow declined because uh, he was going to be appearing in Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, um, which he then got nominated for an Oscar for, but lost to Christopher Plummer. That's, that's another uh, film yeah. that that seems problematic and, and time has kind of forgotten. Mm. <laughs> I feel like. <laughs> now, I can't say I've ever seen it. Probably won't now. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, and also, in, in the grand tradition of IMDb's trivia, just throwing up a fun unnecessary extra bit of detail um this is continuing from the max von sydow thing um christopher Plummer and max von sydow both lent their voices to the video game the elder scrolls 5 skyrim 2011 <laughs> yeah they do so um yeah fuss rodar everybody fuss rodar and a little bit of trivia about christopher Plummer, just to tuck it in here at the end um he was trained as a concert pianist before his attention uh, was switched to acting. So he never touched a piano in this film. I was very disappointed. I was expecting <laughs> them to try and like get him to yeah. t- tinkle some either-is. Um, and he is one of nine actors to have won the Triple Crown of Acting, which is an Oscar, an Emmy, and a Tony. Um, the other actors who have won them are Thomas Mitchell, Melvin Douglas, Paul Schofield, uh, Jack Albertson, Jason Robards, Jeremy Irons, Al Pacino, and Jeffrey Rush. There you go. He could have. Uh, he would have been in the running for an EGOT as well. He, yeah, I yeah. checked this out. I checked this out when I was um, if he, looking it up. He he was nominated for a Grammy, uh, but didn't win it. So mm. he missed out. He missed out on an EGOT. Aww. Yeah. He, he, so he, close. He has to deal with a toe. He got the T, the O, and the E. So ah. he, he can have a toe. Uh, so all that being said, it's time for us to score the film. Uh, so. This is just how we feel about the film. It's just put into some numbers. Zero being not very good. Ten being amazing. Uh, and Carmen, because yep. it was your first time watching Beginners, <laughs> you get to go first. What score are you giving this film out of ten? Oh, Mike Mills, I'm sorry. I'll give you another chance, but this was not for me. Um, I'm going to go three and a half uh, unexpectedly delightful cameos by Bumba John from The Good Place out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what about yourself, Robert? I will give it four purple shirts, jumpers, whatever they were, out of ten. Mm. I actually quite like that detail of the misremembering. Mm. That was actually good. That, yeah. that was actually quite nicely done, just to just to find anything to to give some positivity <laughs> to this film. But it was a nice touch, and I really, yeah, I really enjoyed that, and that it came back with the the flowers in the picture and what it meant to him. I thought that was a really nice way of doing it. Again, I feel like this film. Is, is a good-ish film. There's moments. Made badly. Yeah, there's there are, moments, there yeah. Moments. yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, it's not... That's what's frustrating. <laughs> I, I, think, I think that's the same thing, is I'm looking at it and going, you're, you're not bad. You're just not... You're not doing it right. Like <laughs> It's good, but it could be better. Exactly, yeah. It's a real... It needs, a, it needs Pedro Pascal, like <laughs> everything else in the world. Just cast Pedro Pascal. It would have been much better. It would have been golden. Pedro Pascal as Andy. I'm sure it would have been, would have been great. <laughs> He remembers me, except then he would have cried and handed him off to Luke Skywalker and that would have been the end of that. Um, I really wish this was a better film. Uh, I, and I think that's because there are good elements to it, but it but it just didn't quite work out. So I'm going to give it 
I'm going to give it four and a half errant graffiti tags out of ten. It was, it was okay, but it was also not okay. I, I think it's, <laughs> it, it was, it was not the best of times, and it was not the worst of times, but it, it just was not particularly great, um, which is uh, a real shame. But uh, Vale, uh, Christopher Plummer, um, you know. <laughs> Hey, at least you got something out of this one. Uh, And that brings us to the end of our review of Beginners. So, Robert and Carmen, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of The Cinema Catcher. Thank you, Stephen. And for those of you listening in, thank you very much. If you would like to find out more information about the Cinema Catch-Up Club, why, there's a number of ways to do it. They pretty much all involve the internet. Um, you can find us over at Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash podcast for extra bonus goodies to sign up and become a member. Uh, if you're on Facebook, we're on Facebook too. You can follow us and get all sorts of updates and fun things like that. And if you want to hear a new episode each and every week, just subscribe over iTunes or SoundCloud or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for The Cinema Catch-Up Club. But that's all for this week, so until next time, goodbye! Are we married yet? Oh, God. You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.